0: And then we can check our phones, see if it's actually working. Um, Oh, we have twenty-five people already waiting, which is a good sign. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, good sign for our first show. It is. Oh, look at that! I think we're here. Yeah, we're live.
1: Oh, look at that! (laughs) All
0: right, (laughs) all right. So let's turn off the volume of our phones. Welcome everyone. to the first Left Lens live stream. Appreciate all of you for coming um, to talk with us, engage with us about Obama's legacy of lies. And yes. Barack Obama's legacy has been something that Black Agenda Report has been writing about since his two terms uh, ended. But Black Agenda Report was really in the vanguard, was really out front in warning the left, warning the uh, progressive section of the United States, warning working class people, warning black people in particular that um, Barack Obama was not what he was being advertised to be, that Barack Obama Mm -hmm. was in fact an agent of the same imperialist, capitalist and racist system than any other president was, but Barack Obama had something that other presidents never had, which was that Barack Obama was advertised as the first black president and mm-hmm. what that meant for the most progressive constituency in the United States was that Uh, There was going to be an immense shift politically and and not a lot of people knew what that was going to be Given the immense excitement that was in part corporate media driven, but really driven by the entire liberal class and uh, The entire progressive United States, but you know, we wanted to come on with you all to discuss this legacy Uh, We're a little early, so we won't talk about too much before people get on Uh, We're going to be with you for maybe an hour, maybe a little Mm -hmm. bit more, depending on uh, the level of engagement. But uh, I'm, of course, Danny Haifong, contributing editor to Black Agenda Report. Um, And I am with my co-host, Margaret Kimberly. Um, And yeah, let's let's just, uh, let's get started, Margaret. So, you know, uh, let's talk about Mm -hmm. what makes Obama's legacy important? Like, why Why should we talk about this right now? Because you know what we will probably hear um, in terms of criticism that Barack Obama's presidency was 2008 to 2016. Why bring it up now? We heard this during the Trump period, right? Oh, mm-hmm. all you leftists just want to talk about Obama when Trump <laughs> is the real danger right now. Well, what exactly makes obama's legacy such an important thing to talk about right now
1: well i you know from the beginning uh as you just said he was marketed as a progressive he was marketed as a peace candidate um he was um i mean he wasn't marketed to black people black people gravitated towards him as soon as uh they realized that he could win you know there were lots of questions about him Uh, who was behind him, who was giving him money, should we support him, should we support Hillary Clinton, and then he won the Iowa caucuses in January of 2008. Uh, Black people realized that white people would vote for him, and that meant that he could win, and all those questions disappeared overnight, and it was possible to see a Black president, and uh, Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton's uh, uh scheming and, and machinations um uh helped him. Uh in fact there were people who weren't sure who then gravitated to him. So uh then we were off and running with uh this man who um was uh Glenn Ford said that uh, the anti war movement and Goldman Sachs were all on the same side in in uh supporting him so it was, uh, it's very important to, to look at what, what did we get in the Obama administration? What, what happened? Um, uh, just to remind people in the fall of 2008, the Great Recession began, the stock um, market uh, bubble had the various bubbles, real estate bubbles, stock market bubbles had burst and um, the system was in uh, an economic crisis. And he um bailed them out. I mean, to the tune of trillions of dollars. Uh the huge transfer of wealth. The government was actually subsumed in the um financial services sector. Um there are, was it Citibank that chose his cabinet or I think it was yes, Citibank. It was. Yes, it was it was City right. I can't remember yes. which bank, but um uh he raised um uh hundreds of millions of dollars, he raised, I, 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 I seem to recall, he raised like 10 times as much as John McCain, which told you he was the candidate of the ruling classes and the one marketed as the progressive. Uh, so And he acted accordingly. We, there was a, a stimulus uh, which helped the economy somewhat, wasn't big enough. Uh, The bailouts of the banks began, no rescue for the people, no rescue for people who uh, uh, lost their homes. And um, as far as war, you know, there were two wars when he started. There were six or seven by the time he ended, destroyed Libya, tried to destroy Syria, um, instigated a coup in Ukraine, uh, a, a disaster disasters for people all over the world, the drone uh, strikes, the kill list, uh, all of these things came to us from Obama. Uh, we, and the first thing anybody says, if you uh, critique his policies, the first thing anybody talks about is Obamacare, but we got Obamacare, we got Obamacare. And uh, the best thing about Obamacare was the Medicaid expansion, which unfortunately every state did not take. So everyone did not benefit. But otherwise, Obamacare uh, gave everyone the right to buy insurance, to pay too much for insurance, which doesn't fully cover you. Um, I have a friend who uh, was diagnosed with cancer. He and his wife had a, you know, one of the Obama policies. It was some crazy amount of money it was like a, more than $100 a month $150 a month and then he's diagnosed with cancer and has to pay, you know, several thousand dollars for a cat scan um so that's obamacare you have the right to to uh pay into the for profit system to pay too much to still not get coverage to still pay too much for uh pharmaceuticals a bailout of the insurance, health insurance industries and, and the pharmaceutical industry. So, um, so that's what we got. We um, got the Democrats silencing themselves, even progressive silenced themselves because it's Obama and he was being attacked by the right and many, many of the attacks on him were quite racist. So that gave him credibility he didn't really deserve or people felt the need to protect him um, but then he succeeded by Trump, um, the racist who said that uh, Obama wasn't born in the United States, who, uh, who so who personally questioned the legitimacy of his presidency, who defeated Hillary Clinton.
0: Oh, no. Uh, Margaret froze up a little bit. Um I don't know what's going on. Margie's still there? No. Uh, hey, everybody. Yeah, I think Margaret had some technical issues. All right. Sorry <laughs> Mar- okay. about that.
1: I'm sorry about that. I wasn't sure what had happened. Uh, anyway, so I'll talk her, I guess. So, um, so <laughs> anyway, so to make a long story short, he's su- succeeded by Trump. This nightmarish vision of um, the 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 who embodied all the fears, mostly of black people, that there would be a president who was um, harkened back to the days of overt racism. And uh, so people look back on Obama with this great fondness for, for four years. You heard, I miss Obama, I miss Obama, I miss Obama. Um, and uh, without any effort made to raise the issues that we've been talking about, And it's very important now because now we are going to have a Democratic president again. Uh, Donald Trump's antics, notwithstanding, and Rudy Giuliani's amateurish uh, lawsuits he has been laughed out of how many courtrooms now. Uh, Joe Biden is going to be the next president. He has Mm. a a Black vice president uh, in in Kamala Harris. And so we're going to see, it's it's going to be even worse because uh, throughout this campaign season, we've if you asked a question or made a critique, it was always, do you want Trump? Do you want Trump? That was your only choice. You had to accept the neoliberal imperialist narrative. You couldn't expect anything more. And uh, if you did, you were a spoiler. And uh, didn't you know that getting rid of Trump was the most important thing? So uh, it's very important to talk about um, Obama's legacy at this point, it's very important.
0: Yes, you're exactly right. Uh, I, I see people filling up the stream right now. So welcome to all. Uh, please like, subscribe, share. Mm-hmm. Some of the some of the folks who joined said they weren't notified. Uh, you have to kind of press a bell after you subscribe. You can also set, there's also a reminder that you can set for mm-hmm. future live streams. So uh, I know there are a lot of steps, but uh, we have <laughs> to follow all of them for... Yeah, Voices yeah. like ours and independent left uh, political analysts, activists, journalists to uh, really have any sort of fair shake on these platforms. <laughs> so please do like, subscribe, share. Also, it's Giving Tuesday. So I'll just say that uh, yeah, yeah. in the description of the video, please do donate to Black Agenda Report. We're both involved in Black Alliance for Peace. Please do subscribe to our Patreons. You can find all of that. In the description of the video, for those who are joining now, I see that the stream continues to fill up, so welcome everybody. Um, but yes, Margaret, you, you broke it down well. Um, there is a lot to break down when it comes to Obama's significance, because his significance on the left and his influence mm-hmm. over the left was profound. Um, all of the things that you've talked about. Uh, obama got a pass for and mm-hmm. his administration got a pass for and there are so many reasons for why that was but the biggest single reason was uh, barack obama's effect on the most progressive constituency in the united states that is black people black people mm-hmm. have been the most anti-war they've been the most socialist oriented they've been the most engaged in any sort of effort for real social justice in the united states and uh during the first years of the Obama administration, as Barack Obama was bailing out the banks to the point of trillions of dollars by the time he left, as he was taking a hatchet to public education with race to the top, as he was cutting food stamps, I was a, I was a case manager for right. homeless individuals at the time he cut food stamps in 2014 with the farm bill. And I can tell you that many people <laughs> lost their food stamps instantly and had to go through an egregious bureaucratic process just to attempt to reobtain them. And some got it back, some did not. And we're talking about folks who many of whom were making less than $700, $800 a month. So imagine what it's like to live on that wage um, in a big city like Boston or New York, but really anywhere in the United States, you cannot live on that kind of monthly income. So um, as he was doing that, Black people in the majority thought they were doing better economically than they were doing before uh, Obama came into office. That was because of the power of what he represented. He represented, right. uh, I think Glenn Ford said in an interview, he represented uh, what it's like to get the brass ring, right? What mm-hmm. it's like to taste power. Yeah. But it was always hollow because what you know we've tried to analyze at Black Agenda Report is how this politics of inclusion and representation is really no replacement for uh, a real analysis of power. And Barack Obama was in power, but who he was working for were those in power. He was not working for the powerless. He wasn't working for uh, the oppressed. He wasn't working for workers and he certainly wasn't working for black people. And I know you Margaret, maybe you can go through some examples of how Barack Obama targeted black people over and over and over again. He would do this thing in his speeches where he would Attempt to pander to his black voting base who supported him 90 plus percent each election. But then as he would talk in speeches and and a state of the union addresses, et cetera, Father's Day speeches, he would then go on the attack and he got a pass for it because he was Barack Obama, something Trump could never really get away with if he were to uh, demean black people to their faces. But Margaret, give us some examples of that, because you wrote extensively about that.
1: Sure. Well, you mentioned the uh, Father's Day. The first time I noticed it actually was a debate in uh, 2008, and he was running against Hillary Clinton and John Edwards. And they ha- <clears throat> had a debate, I think it was in Nevada, for some reason, that's my memory. At any rate, it's 2008. And um, they were talking, I can't remember what issue they were talking about. And out of the blue, he said Well, there's one thing we never talk about and that's that uh, uh, black men are not responsible in caring for their families. And it was like, I remember Hillary Clinton and John Edwards looking at each other, like not knowing what to make of this. Um, I think it was personal for him. I'm I'm gonna play amateur psychologist. I think when he saw black men, he saw the father who abandoned him. That's my belief personally. He was raised uh, by his white grandparents, some of his childhood in Asia and Indonesia, but not with any black people. Until he went to Chicago, he was never around black people. He doesn't have the life experiences we have. He uh, uh, was, um, barely saw his father who was in another country. Um, <clears throat> so he has no connection actually to the black American experience. Uh, And it would come out at moments like that. On Father's Day, he gave a speech in a black church. Same thing, uh, black men have to be better fathers. Every opportunity to scold black people, um, he would would never pass up these opportunities. And uh, it was very disheartening to me to see him being given a pass, to hear people say, well, he has to say that. Or uh, another thing he would do, he, whenever he was asked about black people specifically, I don't know if you ever noticed this, but he always looked annoyed. Um, I remember the uh, summer of, uh, uh, I believe it was uh, 2014, when Michael Brown was killed by the cops in Ferguson, Missouri. And there, when we first heard the words, black lives matter. And I remember whenever he was asked, he'd be just, looked like out of sorts, like why are you asking me about them? And if anybody did ask a question about black unemployment, his response was always the same. Uh, uh, Rising tide lifts all boats. If I improve the economy, I'm helping black people. That was it, that was all. And uh, so he was either talking over our heads to white people and pandering to uh, white racism the way his predecessors had done uh, or he was um uh despite that the you know the arch racists would still attack him because um of his african heritage. So that's where we were left um with this man who and and you know and obama does have political skills. He's one of these people who excuse me who can connect with the public who has this uh the charisma, the ability the, you know, as he called Reagan, who he loved, by the way, he always Mm -hmm. praised Ronald Reagan, who was known as the great communicator. Uh, Obama certainly had those skills as well. And uh, I think because progressives are are told that um, not to expect too much, that, you know, what we have is all we're going to get and we can't expect anything more. So any crumb we're supposed to be grateful for And, um, you know, Biden does not have his gifts. I think it's very funny that um, this this election, this recent election was a referendum on Trump. You got a record number. I mean, Biden got 80 million votes. I don't think it's because people love Joe Biden. They wanted to get rid of Trump. That's what it was. Although Trump's appeal continues he got 10 million more votes this time yeah, yeah. than he got last time. He's raised 150 million dollars in this uh cockamamie recount scheme which is he's a con man again. It's really about him having money to do something else to run again or God only knows what. Um so um uh so that's where we are with uh that's Obama's legacy of um uh the people not getting anything. its ho- I think I wrote that, by the way, at the end of his uh, 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 time in office, that his, uh, his legacy was hollow. We didn't get very much. And then uh, Hillary Clinton screwed up and, and uh, Trump won. And he tried to undo as much as uh, what Obama had done as possible, which also gave him more credibility than he deserved because he's seen as uh, being victimized by Trump. So um, it's I think it's very important to remember all of these things because history will repeat itself and is repeating itself with Biden. This man who I did not think would be the nominee. Um, his years of um impulsive outbursts and his uh uh his his own racist statements, by the way. Um and, uh, uh, but he won in order to get um, to get Trump out. That was, that's Joe Biden's appeal that he could get rid of Trump. He didn't really have any of his own, but so great was the desire for Trump to be gone that people turned out in mass. And I want to say something else about this election. You know, they made it easier to <clears throat> to vote. That's one of the reasons there were more votes cast because of the yeah, COVID pandemic. Exactly. Uh, you know, they didn't want, brightly. Uh, many states didn't want people to be crowded into polling places. So they made it easier to vote by mail, but that should have always been the case. And so this mystery about voter participation, well, we found out if you make it easier for people, you will get more voters. So I hope that's not lost um, on us. And I hope it's something that people continue to demand that voting be as easy as possible.
0: Very good points. I I look at Barack Obama as a counterinsurgency president, a weapon of counterinsurgency warfare. And for those who aren't familiar with what that is, intelligence agencies, the military, they use this term counterinsurgency to refer to how they react and respond to crises, how they react and respond to really people's movements, people's movements abroad, people's movements here in the United States and counterinsurgency warfare is how these institutions uh, are a- are able to adapt and slither and use their uh, machinery to effectively combat the enemy quote unquote enemy mm-hmm. and when obama was emerging onto the scene there was Massive unrest. There was a loss of legitimacy. There was this economic crisis, which was the greatest since the uh, Great Depression. It was the Mm -hmm. most impactful. It was a disaster. The foreclosure crisis, the joblessness crisis was at its height. And you had the United States in two immensely unpopular wars by this time, which in mass Democrats opposed, at least Democrats that uh could be counted opposed mm-hmm. not to mention all the other people who opposed the war, the invasion of afghanistan and iraq so obama was really put there he was really selected to react and respond to this crisis in a way that was beneficial to those who actually hold power in the united states the corporations the banks the military-industrial complex, the healthcare industry, there was a mass movement for single-payer healthcare. It had its the most yep. momentum that it has ever had, even today, right? Mm-hmm. Even though there's single-payer momentum in terms of people's consciousness, in 2008, there was a structure that was ready to put that into place, and a majority in the House and the Senate for Barack Obama to fulfill that mandate. And we saw what happened after that. Barack Obama not only sold out the people with the Affordable Care Act, which was a giveaway to insurance companies and has caused irreparable damage. Anyone, and I'm sure plenty of those. Hello to everyone who's joined the stream so far. Whoever has experienced what the Affordable Care Act is like, wherever you are located, you know, that it is neither affordable nor is it really healthcare uh, no. we're talking about extremely <laughs> high premiums extremely yep. high deductibles it's a tiered system it's a government subsidized private healthcare system mm-hmm. which strengthens the the hold that insurance companies have over the administration of healthcare in general so really although some people say it was a step forward because of the medicaid expansion and because more people uh, obtained insurance, it was a step backward in a lot of ways and really led to the Occupy Wall Street uh, movement. Um, the rejection of single payer led to that. The rejection of single payer then led to Sanders. And here we are with 80% more de- uh, plus of Democrats wanting single payer and the Democratic Party than nominating people like Neera Tanden, Joe Biden, nominating people like <laughs> Neera Tanden, who is vehemently opposed to single payer health care. Right and has uh, campaigned against it um, during her lucrative career at the Center for American Progress. But the point, I think, is, is that Barack Obama was able to make acceptable things that would not have been acceptable before he came into office. It was only Barack Obama who could have bombed Libya. Someone like John McCain would not have been able to bomb an African country without... Serious protests. People were sick of wars, and John McCain uh, had a reputation for being a hawk. And so, Barack Obama was able to do all these things, and it matters so much now because Joe Biden is following the Obama model. The only reason Joe Biden is standing politically and now president of the United States is because of Barack Obama. We have to be very clear about that. Barack Obama mobilized. Um, the ruling class, the Mm -hmm. establishment Democrats to uh, go for Joe Biden at the very last minute. He was the one who mobilized Jim Clyburn to support Joe Biden at that critical juncture after Sanders's Nevada victory. So Barack Obama is the reason why Joe Biden is in office. And Joe Biden talks all the time about how he wants to continue the legacy of Obama. We know Joe Biden is... To the right in many instances of obama but we know that the ruling class forces behind him will try to emulate everything that obama kind of spearheaded and now that's what we're seeing with this oh these all-female cabinet positions (laughs) and we're gonna have an all-female secretary of defense defense national security team secretary of defense secretary of state will be all women and that's what makes this such a progressive administration well uh what we're really going to get is more of the same so-called identity politics, but really what it is, it's this inclusion and diversity politics, which diversifies the faces of imperialism, Mm -hmm. oppression, of exploitation, but worsens the oppression and the exploitation that people experience. We are going to get worse under Joe Biden. Things are gonna get worse. That's how this has been working for decades upon decades and the principal reason for that is we don't have a movement pushing back. And Barack Obama was the cog that prevented progressive constituencies, movements, workers from fighting back. We didn't have a lot of fight back. We Unions in mass did not fight back against privatization and austerity. Yep. Black people did not stand up to Obama against war. Black people in 2013 were pulled to favor the invasion of Syria, the potential invasion of Syria more than uh, other social groups in the United States for the first time in history. I mean, that was the Obama effect and we're still trying to figure out in trying, in trying to um, detach ourselves from this monstrosity that is the democratic party, this corporate imperialist militarist monstrosity. Um, but still we have a lot of people hoping that the democratic party will alleviate the pain and i think that is the danger of right now is that there are a lot of people who think joe biden is going mm-hmm. to alleviate the pain for ordinary people for poor people for working people for black people and that's just not no that's not going to happen that's a, that's, a, no. that's a disastrous dream that's going to end in one of the harshest nightmares i think um people have experienced to date
1: yeah it's sad it's sad for me to see uh, people now who, I mean, there's all this talk of putting Biden's feet to the fire, moving him left. I mean, it's just nonsense. He was always one of the more conservative Democrats. That's why he was chosen as Obama's running mate, because Obama was seen as being a progressive. So he had to get a conservative in. Um, so that's just nonsense. And, uh, so there's there's some people who were honest who said, you know, I I don't want Biden, but I got to get rid of Trump. This is all I have. I'm voting for him, and there were other people who are, uh, you know, wishful thinking, delusion. They can, you know, get this right wing man not to be right wing anymore when he's been he was first elected to the Senate almost 50 years ago. 1972 is when he first entered national politics, and he's not going to change now. You mentioned some of his uh, uh, foreign policy team. Uh, I discovered uh, this week that his um, uh, secretary of state uh, uh, designee, um, Blinken, Antony Blinken, and Michelle Flournoy, has she been, has it been announced that she, that they want her to be secretary
0: of defense? Expected. It's just a big rumor. It's almost, okay. oh, it's almost a guarantee at this point, given the rumors. But yeah, uh, no, so not not officially.
1: Lincoln and Flournoy, Avril Haines, I believe, was going to be National Intelligence Director. They all left the Obama White House and got rich. They started this consulting firm called West Exec, not mm-hmm. lobbyists but consultants, so they don't have to divulge who their clients were. But it's all about um, getting um, defense contracts for people. Um, And they made a lot of money doing it. And now they're all back. So there's this revolving door of uh, people. They go into government. Their party loses. They go to think tanks, consultancies, academia, whatever. They all make a lot of money. And then eventually their party's back in and they come back. Um, And they're all interchangeable, frankly. I mean, there's differences in foreign policy. But as you just pointed out, with Libya as an example, you know, one of the things they use Democrats for is to get away with things that Republicans can't. So um, uh, NAFTA, the uh, first horrible free trade agreement, North American free trade agreement, which just thousands of people lost their jobs because of it. George H.W. Bush couldn't get it passed, but Clinton could. Um, uh, Reagan, you know, tried to kill Gaddafi, but gave up. The one who actually did it was Obama. Uh, But because it was Obama, you, me, and a few other people are the only ones who said anything about this. Still no Libyan state. Still. Um, There's a... um, They have slavery of uh, African migrants, other, those who aren't captured and get through use Libya as a transit point to try to get to European countries. They die in these rickety boats. Um, And nobody ever says, even when they talk about the refugee crisis, they don't say this is Obama's handiwork. Uh, The Syrian refugees, because the US destroyed, tried to destroy the Syrian state. There are US troops in Syria. It was never in the newspapers. Congress would never weighed in on it. Um, so you have U.S. troops and Russian troops bumping up against each other in Syria, which is extremely dangerous, but it's something that is not talked about because it's something that, um, that uh, Obama did. So all these wars are forever wars. So it's almost, it, it is 19 years now since September 11th, and the U.S. invasion of Afghanistan. It's 17 years since Iraq. The Iraqi parliament actually voted for Americans to leave and Mike Pompeo, you know, the horrible moron secretary of state just said, ah, we're not doing that. So, and this is what people want. It's it's a funny thing. We always talk about living in a democracy and if it were up to the average person, there wouldn't be U.S. troops in any of those places. There wouldn't be U.S. involvement undermining countries, sanctions that kill people. If it were up to the people, none of these things would be happening. But in spite of what we want, they continue happening. And um, I think it's important to say that and and stop uh, the lie of democracy when we never, we rarely end up getting what we want, even when the person we vote for actually ends up being, president i did not by the way vote for joe biden uh i'm a green party member so i voted for the green party ticket um there's no way i was i a long time ago i said there's there's no lesser evilism in voting for these uh killers some have an r behind their name some have a d behind their name but none of them do anything for the for the people here or around the world
0: yeah yes yeah uh yeah, a couple of things I want to just add on and, and compliment what you're saying, Margaret. Uh, and, and you know, a lot of folks have joined the stream. So, again, like, share it. Uh, please um, consider giving, Giving Tuesday, you know. Don't give to corporations. Uh, we have plenty of options in the description of this video, of this live stream. So, uh, please do support independent journalism, independent activism. Um, but two things: one, I am listening. I'm Obama. trying to hear.
1: If I'm no, looking- yeah,
0: no. Please, please. do, please. let
1: to Danny, but I'm trying to promote our <laughs> life. Go ahead.
0: <laughs> please do, yes. Uh, so, two things. Well, one, let's uh, Libya first mm-hmm. because. The, Libya was extremely important for me because I was actually here in the in in New York, and Occupy Wall Street was happening, mm-hmm. and the news of the U.S.'s participation, the uh, push to have NATO and the United States in the lead, bomb Libya to uh, smithereens to back to the Stone Age was extremely uh, just earth shattering in terms of my consciousness because. Yeah. You know, I was young, I was, you know, just getting into politics, just becoming an adult, really. And I was confused, because I was told that Barack Obama was the first black president, and he was going to come to the aid of black people, he was going to defend them, he was going to um, improve their lives. And here you have the first black president bombing an African country. Mm -hmm. And when I dug more into it, I realized that this was the first operation, the first full-scale operation of AFRICOM, the U.S. African Command, which Barack Obama inherited from George W. Bush, but expanded it from barely, it was only in a few countries when Bush left office in 2007, 2008, and Obama expanded it to uh, occupy and to uh, build relationships with, 51 out of 53 countries in Africa, massively expanding the military apparatus in the United States in the most resource rich part of the world, causing extreme chaos, uh, devastation, destabilization. That's what Libya, that's what the invasion of Libya was. The Obama administration, with people like Susan Rice who will be an advisor to Joe Biden's campaign regardless if her baggage is too much to get her confirmed she is a brain she is one of the brain trusts of people like Joe Biden she was in Libya talking about how this was a victory for human rights as Muammar Gaddafi was dragged and uh, sodomized in the streets of Sirte as bombs were coming down from NATO planes Of sorties in the tens of thousands, uh, destroying all of Libya's infrastructure. And you said slavery came back to Libya. They still have no state. And what was so incredible about this moment for me was that it wasn't just that Obama bombed an African country, he bombed a country that was trying to lead the African continent in an independent direction. He, as head of the African Union, was hoping to institute both a unified military, independent of the West in the United States, as well as a unified currency, which African countries could use to trade independently of the U.S. dollar, both of which were seen as extreme threats to finance capital and extreme threats to U.S. hegemony. Also, Libya was a country that was an example of what could happen if Africa's resources in many of its states were actually used to the benefit of African people. In Libya, one of the highest of standards of living existed. Housing was free. Healthcare was free. Uh, subsidies for electricity, subsidies for things like purchasing cars and for child care. I'll tell a personal story about this that was profound because I was a case manager for homeless individuals. I met a Libyan family, a woman who in 2014 told me, That she lost a $4,000 a month stipend because of the destruction of Libya that helped her stay in the United States as her kids went to college here. So that was what was lost when Obama decided to bomb the country and promote the humanitarian interventionist imperialist. That's the second part of this is humanitarian interventionism, that will be the foreign policy of Joe Biden, right? America's back, baby. What that means is that human rights is going to be used as a proxy to destroy the people and the planet all around the world. And Obama helped rewrite international law itself by stating there is no such thing as warfare if U.S. soldiers do not die. So if the United States is droning countries around the world, the United States is arming proxies around the world, jihadists or fascists in Ukraine, whoever it is. If that is the model, it is not warfare in the United States as carte blanche to uh, conduct whatever affairs it wants. And that was given a pass by most people. Barely anybody demonstrated, except for a very few people, demonstrated, wrote about the U.S.'s imperialists wars at that time, and we risk going back to that under a Joe Biden administration.
1: Yeah, I, you know, you're absolutely right. And when Obama was running, he said something interesting. He said, I'm not against all wars. I'm just against dumb wars. So he was smart enough to know that invading a country as Bush did with Iraq was not popular, made Bush very unpopular, in fact, um, that Americans didn't want that. But you can achieve the same effect by using, as you point out, jihadist proxies in Libya with the help of the rest of NATO. So after Libya was destroyed, the then prime minister of the UK, uh, Cameron, uh, the then French president, Sarkozy, they personally went to Libya um, to, um, it, was, it was disgusting to me. It makes me so angry when I think about it, to preside over this destruction. Also, speaking of France, I'm going to digress a little bit. Gaddafi gave Sarkozy millions of dollars. Uh, It's a huge scandal. Well, it should be a scandal in order to prevent France from attacking Libya, but acting like an old, you know, mafia gangster. He took the money and did it anyway. But um so all of NATO was involved in this effort. And, and it's important, for, uh, as you pointed out, this idea of humanitarian intervention. So they lie first. So they say that there's going to be uh, Gaddafi's um, violating human rights. Gaddafi's going to kill his own people. Uh, his, then they spread this lie. They use the international, the guy who was at the International Criminal Court at the time, but Spanish guy, I can't remember his last name at the moment, that uh, he was giving his troops Viagra so they could rape women more easily, that um, uh, all of these things, and not ever mentioning that Gaddafi used Libya's oil wealth to benefit the people, and so this it was the most pop, pop uh, prosperous country on the African continent, and of course he was attacked precisely because he spoke of. Africa being independent and not uh, being dependent upon the dollar for oil transactions—that's why they got him. Uh, so, uh, so, and then having succeeded this evil success in Libya, they tried to do the same thing to Syria. But fortunately, um, uh, Assad was able to hang on, um, and Russia finally, when Assad was about to fall, finally came in on his side because they didn't want. Jihadists to win. Russia has a problem with uh, jihadists and separatists in their country. So um, Assad, uh, so the mil- they militarily defeated these people, but now the United States is embarking on this terrible. War of using sanctions. They actually call them mm-hmm. the Caesar sanctions, which essentially yeah. deprive Syria of the ability to con- conduct any financial transaction. So they can't get medicine to their people, they can't get food to their people. The U.S. is using its military to steal Syria's oil. Uh so it's um uh warfare by other means. And you know, and most people unfortunately don't don't care as much. If you're not talking about sending US troops somewhere. Any intervention loses uh, urge, uh, urgency with, with, most, uh, with most people who aren't that in, involved, who depend on the corporate media, who obviously are not going to tell them what they need to know. So, um, uh, you know, so Obama can still, and, and he had the full buying of the corporate media. Let's talk about propaganda for a, a second. So I, uh, last week I watched um, PBS, the NewsHour. They had a report on um, the migrant crisis in the Mediterranean and never once mentioned the name Barack Obama. Never once. And that's all his handiwork. And uh, that's another reason to keep talking about him. One of the things he showed is if you have the right marketing skills, right personalities, know how to use a knife and fork, um, you know, know how to charm people, don't come off as a stupid oaf like uh, Trump does. You can get away with anything. Anything. Uh, And I mean that quite literally, because all of these terrible things he did are just disappeared. And um, uh that's why we, that is why we have to keep talking about it. So I don't want to hear about, you know, it's X number of years ago since he was president. We have to talk about it now because uh, these things are, these things will happen again.
0: Yeah, the old mantra, the old uh, cliche history repeats itself um, is is not correct in the sense that we don't get exactly what we've had before, but history is always a progression of what came before It's always whatever we get now will be informed by what we got in the past. So, uh, we need to really, especially when it comes to the immense effect that Obama had on so many people who consider themselves left progressive, we need to talk about Barack Obama's legacy. And, uh, you know, the title of the stream was Legacy of Lies. Well, Barack Obama was really the encapsulate. He was a big lie. Yes. Uh, one of the things we haven't talked about yet, and uh, you know, I'm seeing some people in the chat. Somebody made a suggestion to do super chat uh, for YouTube next time for donations or whatnot. Sure. Uh, just a quick comment. Sure. Teach us how to do that. I don't really know how to do that. Um, if you have any out. tips, email. <laughs> yeah, help 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 some people out. Email email me. Um, send a message. Um I think that's that's a good suggestion, but at the same time, you know for those who are watching, there are plenty of links in the description below. I know it's may not, it may be a little bit more work, but um I think that there are plenty of options to to give if you can on this giving Tuesday, but really share this like this uh stream and uh back back to the conversation though mm-hmm. um you know. Barack Obama. One of the things that was most egregious about his administration was this grand bargain that uh, Glenn Ford and, and all of us at Black Agenda Report have commented on in, in one in one aspect or another. Uh, but you know we have Neera Tandon now as a big player in the Biden administration on his mm-hmm. um, for the management of the budget, and she was a champion of the grand bargain. Uh, she actually championed for the a cut of social security for austerity cuts of social security based on the fact that both taxes and entitlements should be considered fair game. Well, where did she get that from? She happened to be one of the brain children of the grand bargain, which the Samson Bowles committee in 2012, right after Obama was reelected, he went full steam ahead to try to negotiate a massive multi-trillion dollar uh, cut to Medicare, to Social Security, Mm -hmm. to basically the entire public budget, whatever that is, excluding war, of course, excluding the military budget. But um, the only reason that didn't go, that didn't happen. The only reason why Social Security and Medicare ended up not facing these draconian cuts was because Republicans opposed it based on the fact that, uh, well, Barack Obama was a black president. He was considered the black president. And Republicans didn't want to didn't want themselves to be seen as being aligned with Obama on this issue. And it gave Republicans credibility. And it also created this gridlock, which a lot of people talked about as being a bad thing. But gridlock under Obama actually helped us uh, escape some of the most egregious policy maneuvers of the Obama administration. So. This being the biggest one of them all, uh, cutting the most popular universal program that exists in the United States, Social Security and Medicare. These two programs, um, you know, 70 percent plus people, no matter what their political affiliation, want these programs to exist. They want them expanded. But uh, Obama was going for the jugular and he tried to do something in the vein of someone like Ronald Reagan, in the vein of Uh, the Bush family, he tried to take a step beyond administrations before him in hurting ordinary people, hurting working people. And of course, uh, whenever working people are assaulted, we know that Black people face the harshest consequences. Under Obama, the uh, gap in wealth between white America and Black America nearly doubled, right? We had an extreme a worsening of the conditions of people and we need to come out of that with lesson with a lesson learned and that lesson is that we cannot breathe a sigh of relief now that Biden is here we can't expect the squad or any of these really uh, minority forces in the democratic party to push Biden left or to push these obama forces left we need to consider what it means to organize, think politically in a way that uh, moves us in a progressive direction. And I'll say one last thing that also means, and Black and Gender Report is one of the few that does this, is it means that we take racism, white supremacy seriously, that we don't look at it as some sort of uh, phenomenon of racist ideas and bad Trump and bad white people here but we look at it as, as a power structure because what Obama was able to do was he was able to strengthen that power structure. His DOJ argued that uh, police officers uh, who murder Black people shouldn't be counted, that statistics should not be counted. That's what the DOJ was doing under Obama. So Eric Holder and the like. So Obama, by being representative of this system, by being a Black face in a high place, he was able to get these things done, which are white supremacists to the core and keep the United States in this very, uh, some people say polarized, but really what it is, is it's a completely uh, divided society that at all ends of the polls, uh, there is not an agreement on what really needs to be talked about, which is who's in power and who is not. And right now, uh, progressives, leftists, people who want a more just society are on the margins, and we need to figure that out. And Obama kept us from thinking, even talking about that for eight years.
1: Yeah, you're right. It's uh, Mitch McConnell saved us, right? What was McConnell? Was it McConnell in charge of the Senate? <laughs> and whoever the Republican who we were supposed to hate. Uh, saved us from uh, uh, this grand bargain of a horrible austerity that would have been even worse than what you described. Um, There, the parties are in agreement about austerity, about the government not spending money, about the people living in uh, uh, precarity, um, uh, the wage stagnation continuing, the so-called gig economy continuing, uh, no living wage work, uh, unions who acquiesce with the with the Democrats, all of these things. The parties are in this together, and uh, we can't expect anything good with Mira Tandon, who was um, also one of the um, leading. She's one of the leading Democratic Party propagandists. I mean, that's all she is. Um, the Center for American Progress—that's her propaganda tool on Twitter she's always, that's her role to, uh, she's an attack
0: dog. Yeah.
1: To mean to attack, uh, progressives. Um, so, and that's her reward for helping, uh, drag Biden over the finish line. Um, I, I, I now think that, you know, whoever got the Democratic nomination probably would have won, uh, since it was, uh, I believe a referendum on, on Trump more than anything. But, um, but you are correct about all of these things. We, we do not have friends in the Democratic Party. Uh, the progressives, they may come in with good intentions, but they are very quickly suppressed by the Democratic Party establishment. Who's the Democratic Party establishment? Rich people like Michael Bloomberg, who gave the DNC more than $100 million and he didn't give it to them it, because he was nice. He, one, had an agenda, number one, making sure Bernie Sanders was not going to be the nominee, that any talk, any thought of progressive policy action would be uh, would be dead on arrival. Uh, they don't want us to have it. They don't want us to think about it. They want us to just give up. And uh, have no expectation, and you know, and I, uh, you know, we should also talk a little about the impact of COVID, uh, mm-hmm. which has devastated the economy. These shutdowns meant to stop the spread of uh, of this communicable disease. I mean, for those shutdowns to take place in a country which has no safety net. Uh, The the, uh, stimulus plans, a lot of money went to big business. What did individuals get? A maximum of $1,200. Unemployed people for a few months got an extra $600, but they last got that back in July. Um, People are being told just to wait, just to hang on until January 20th before having any expectation of a new stimulus. People are suffering. And... um, the suffering isn't going to end because it's Biden instead of Trump. Um, we need something, and and people like Bernie Sanders, who um, he didn't want to be blamed for Biden losing. He was blamed unfairly for Hillary Clinton's screw up, but uh, you know. But it's a lot of BS. To you know, Biden's going to be the most progressive president since FDR. Well, you know, we should have an unprecedented stimulus to help people, to help businesses too, uh, get back on their feet. They can hire people, making sure that that's what they do, of course. Um, There are other countries that have, um, everybody gets money, anybody who's out of work because of a shutdown is guaranteed an income. We need to talk about universal basic income. We need to talk about all of those things. And what have they done? They promote people like Neera Tanden, Bernie Sanders is getting nothing, Liz Warren, Elizabeth Warren is getting nothing. So they are letting us know it is neoliberalism that has won the day and they see no reason to uh, defer to anybody else over anything else and anything progressive is window dressing like having an all-female communications team.
0: COVID-19 has exposed to the extreme, most extreme degree just how bankrupt the system of capitalism, of imperialism is in the United States. It has ru- burst asunder any illusions that people may have had about whether this system can be tolerated. I mean, we have a situation now where tens of millions of people are at risk of being evicted in the mm-hmm. middle of a pandemic. I have people, and and, and there are some people in the chat kind of debating about whether uh black agenda report is fully funded, whether to give or um anything yeah, like that. Yeah. I I will tell you one thing <laughs> false. Uh people on the left, I know more than a few right now. I won't I won't say their names just for the sake because I didn't run it by them, but more than a few who you may think are doing okay, but really we're we're working really hard under these same conditions that we talk about all of the time. Right? Um, I know you, Margaret, you're doing so much. I'm trying to juggle. We're both juggling full time work that yep. sometimes is more than full time work. And then <laughs> as well as doing full time work for the people largely pro bono. So those links, those Giving Tuesday links, um, be, you know, be as generous as you can, because you never know where people are really at. And in this moment, tens of millions of people are unemployed, employed. Tens of millions of people are facing eviction. Mm -hmm. Um, The the virus is surging and you you talked about these lockdown measures and and we and just the COVID-19 response in general Mm -hmm. in the United States shows how there is no not only no public health system, but really no public infrastructure, no public system generally that supports the needs of the people at all. You have ten. You have thousands of people lining up in Texas for food at food banks that can't provide the food. Uh, this is such a crime in the so-called richest country in the world that they don't usually tell you that the richest country of the world got all those riches by stealing them from everyone else. But and for super exploiting its own, um, you know, working class population, especially Black people, but nonetheless, COVID-19, some people have called it a failed state. I think the state is working exactly how it is designed to work. It's (laughs) enriching. We've seen Bezos. We've seen um, Buffett. We've seen uh, billionaires across the board. Uh, Michael Bloomberg, you mentioned, they've all run away with tens of billions more in profits. Their wealth has increased astronomically. They have been pumped with trillions of dollars of stimulus, while uh, ordinary people get one $1,200 check, a couple of months of $600 of unemployment, if you had a job at the time, or if you had a job um, that was worth anything and you were able to get it, a lot of people didn't get either of the stimulus or the unemployment. But those who did, they, they got it. But now since, what was it, July, um, there's been nothing for people all across the United States. Uh, homelessness is increasing um, and the risk of the virus, and this is another thing uh, of it surging everywhere throughout the duration of the rest of 2020 into 2021, leading to a possible year-long pandemic, unprecedented for this era of modern capitalism, of modern imperialism. Something like this really dragging this system to its knees, where we're mostly affected in the rich can live on as they've always lived on. I think what we are seeing is a complete collapse of all of the myths, American exceptionals, all of that is completely collapsing. And we don't know exactly how badly this is going to affect people even right now. But what we do know is that the the response from local level to the federal level was a complete hatchet job. It was an insult to humanity itself. And we uh, are debating things like lockdowns. The, the measures were just not good. They just were not meant to protect people. There was nothing in place to protect people. Every Cuomo says he was all about science and Biden says he's all about science. Nonsense. No one was advocating what people needed. And here we are, December 1st, 2020, um, nearly, uh, what's it been, Uh, nine, 10 months. We knew China was going through it in January. So nearly a year since the pandemic was discovered in the United States is watching hundreds of thousands of people die, tens of millions of people unemployed, impoverished by um, the impact of the pandemic. And it's because we have a system that only benefits rich people. It, it really does only benefit anyone who wants to clasp onto the rich. But that still is a very tiny minority True, of it is. the population.
1: The I mean, that's one of the things the legacies of Occupy, the, the idea of the one percent. Um, but you're absolutely right. It's so funny. It's, it's, it's easy to blame Trump for COVID. But the big problem is, as you as you uh, alluded to, is we do not have a system, we don't have an infrastructure that takes care of people. So China, which was demonized, it's all their fault that this happened. By the way, science has now shown that uh, COVID existed in Europe last fall before it was discovered in Wuhan, China. But um, speaking of China, they've only had 5,000 deaths. And we have 260 some odd thousand at this point. Um, they, Because they have a command economy, they were able to do things like build hospitals just to care for COVID patients. So now we're being told uh, because uh, COVID is spreading, there's no room in the ICU. And if you have a heart attack, you may not, you know, they may put you in the hallway or something. I don't know. Uh, but these um, and this other country, who uh, we're told is so horrible, they recently had a an outbreak of like ten cases in Qingdao, city of nine million people. They tested everybody in a week, and because the U.S. does not have that kind of uh, infrastructure to take care of its people. That's why it's spreading. And you can scold people for going away for Thanksgiving. I stayed home Thanksgiving for for that reason, but that shouldn't be where we are. Where we are in this position now, because we do not have, uh, because of austerity, because there is nothing in place to help the people. And if anything goes wrong, the house of cards just comes tumbling down and uh that is the issue with covid and i think a lot of what happened would have happened if there had been another president if somebody like obama because he's smarter because he you know knows how to get the press on his side he would have convinced people that everything was he was doing his best and he couldn't be blamed but trump of course being trump goes to the press conference and you know tries to uh uh, deny what the scientists say and, you know, just look stupid. And so it's easy to point to him. But I I don't believe that the situation would have been much different with a different president. And I know Obama had a an office to deal with pandemics, so perhaps some of it would have. But overall, I think the United States would have lagged behind countries that are really um, far more advanced. And we're going to see in the coming weeks, I'm not trying to wish bad things on people, but with all the Thanksgiving travel, we're going to see whatever it whatever it is a few weeks from now, like right before Christmas, we will see the situation that we're uh, going to be facing all winter long. And I hope that people, even if they insisted on on travel, took uh, all the precautions they could so that we can uh, so that we can stop this uh, this suffering.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, the blame the victim narrative is in full effect, and yeah. it's it's being I mean peddled by Democrats like Andrew Cuomo, who now is blaming everyone for the issues that the the new resurgence. And this is going to be, I think. A big part of how Biden addresses the pandemic because nothing's on the table. People are saying in the chat, healthcare, UBI, none of that's on the table. So, and even a shutdown, even a national shutdown where people's needs are met, that's off the table because something that isn't being talked about, because I know there's a lot of debate about, you know, lockdown versus no lockdown and, you know, all this stuff. What's not, what's underneath the surface that people need to understand, I think, is that. The reason why the pandemic response was so bad here was whatever the reaction was to the pandemic, was whatever it was going to be, it was late. Yes. And people don't talk about why it was late. Why in New York was it so late? Why everywhere it's so late? It's because the interests of corporations, the interests of banks, the profit motive. It's this idea that you've got to think about how are the corporations, how are the executives, how are the financiers, the investors, how are they going to recoup their profits? That is really the only reason why there was a delay in responding to the pandemic. That's what happened here in New York state in March. In February, it was spreading and people knew it. People knew it. It was spreading in February, but nothing was being done And Cuomo and de Blasio fighting each other. It was because they didn't know what to do with the corporations and the biz- big businesses that needed to be taken care of. And yes. here we and, and here we are a year later. So so I think, you know, we're coming up to the end of the stream. I, a lot of people have been thanks for participating in what seemed like a lively chat. Um, yeah. I will say, you know, definitely giving Tuesday links below. Um, like, share, continue to do that with the stream. Someone asked if the stream was going to be up on the page. I believe it is. I didn't do anything to not have the video continue to be posted on our Left Lens YouTube page, so it should be there after this. We're also going to have clips of the uh, of this stream be produced and, and circulated again, and we will be back with you again. But um, you know, we have only a few minutes left, so Margaret, mm-hmm. I don't know if there's anything that you want to touch on. Yeah, before I, just,
1: I just want to follow up on what you were saying. Basically, they wanted people to keep working. So they didn't want to. Uh, the system could not respond appropriately because we don't have the infrastructure to do that. And their hope was that people would keep working. So, um, so that is, uh, you know, and a lot of these politicians, Cuomo, for example, uh, sending sick people to nursing homes and then absolving the nursing homes, and they don't have to explain uh, what happened. They uh, absolve them of liability. Uh and it's and then before Thanksgiving this performance he gave at his press conference ah uh, you shouldn't see your family you should tell people you love them so much you won't don't be them. a
0: turkey don't, don't be a, a turkey, turkey.
1: and he spent Thanksgiving with his family with his mother <laughs> <Yeah>. and, <laughs> and I you know, I I did not spend Thanksgiving with my family I did make do with Damn. Zoom because I think that was the appropriate thing to do but um, but all that to say um uh, the system has failed us, the state has failed us, and this pandemic has changed the world, it's changed the economy, changed the balance of power in the world. China's the only country that's with the growing uh economy, which is why it's being demonized <laughs> by the way uh not because ninety uh, percent of uh because most of what they say about it is true. But uh so that's my that's my last word uh for tonight. I thank everybody for joining us. And yes, please do give um there are people like Black Agenda Report who manage by hook and crook to publish week after week. Mm-hmm. But uh we still need um need your support in order to do what we do. And we're very, very uh, very appreciative.
0: Yes, indeed. Yes, exactly. Um that's why it's so important to subscribe here, to yep. promote this work that we're doing, um, to give whatever donations you can to the links in the description, um, because exact- we are doing truly independent work. We focus on analysis. We focus on an area that is neglected in, in large part. Even by progressive YouTubers and journalists, um, there's a lot of reporting going on, and that's great. We need reporting, we need investigative journalism, but there's not a lot of focus on how to think about what is going on, how to think about these developments that the great investigative journalists are, are coming out with, the great crusaders against the corporate media. But we need more than just the uncovering of truth. If the uncovering of truth liberated (laughs) the people and and brought us a new society we would have had it by now the the thing is is we need to uh and one of the reasons we talked about obama's legacy is we need to understand the reality before us what does it mean what direction should it lead us to and so you know we're going to try to do these live streams as as much as we can you know it's going to be uh Uh, we we do a lot. We do a lot of writing. We do a lot of uh, appearances. So, um, you know, we'll we'll try to do this as often as we do just general videos, because I think the live stream is is great. Uh, We love to see the engagement. Um, It's great to be with Margaret and, you know, um, and with all of you at the same time. So you guys made it a really successful first stream. Um, But yeah, no, I think, I think we can close it here i uh, mm-hmm. hope you all have good evenings uh good mornings wherever <laughs> you are in the world um and yeah we will we will see you guys again soon very good peace out Bye bye thanks, thanks so much good night